adre the adrenaline that's shooting off in the electricity, he captures it right there on paper. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Hirschfeld. Well, I've drawn ever since I could hold a pencil. Actually, all kids draw. I just never stopped. Uh, welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. I'm David Leopold, the creative director of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I'm Catherine Eastman, the archives manager. And today we are talking about rock and roll. Yes. Rock and roll. And uh, for you purists out there, some of it will bleed into pop music. I tried to get David to cut some of these and really stay on the rock and roll track, but he gave very good Excuses. I think you can make very good cases for a lot of these performers who are played on rock and roll stations, even yes. if they're not always rock and roll performers. Yes. We'll talk about this. And obviously. I think rock and roll also is different to every person. Yes. So and and we call <laughs> there's room it, for interpretation. We you know it's called rock and then it was called pop, um, but essentially we're talking about the same thing. Right. Right. Uh, Bob Dylan wanted to know what happened to the end roll. You know, it, <laughs> it, be, it used to be rock and roll and then it became rock. Right. And he always thought he liked the roll part. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. So we're going to start. Uh, uh, talking about Hirschfeld and rock and roll by starting at the beginning. And the very first rock and roll figure that Hirschfeld drew was also the very first caricature of this figure. And of course, when you're talking about rock and roll and you're talking about the start, you're talking about Elvis. That's right. And Hirschfeld drew Elvis in 1956 for Collier's Magazine. Yes. Uh, Elvis had just kind of come on the scene. I'm a big Elvis fan, so I thought we were going to do an Elvis episode, and then we decided mm, maybe we should just do rock and roll because <laughs> there's there, not really enough for. There's a whole about Elvis five or episode. six drawings of Elvis, and I thought there's that eleven. Would be... Oh, well, oh ele he's, he's in eleven drawings. He's in eleven. But there's drawings. like five or six individual. Yes. You're right. You're right. I thought it might be hard to hang a whole show on something. I like could that. definitely talk about Elvis for an hour, but not... but would anybody want to hear it? Is well, the question. <laughs> let's not bring that up again. Uh, but yes, uh, there's a guy who contacted us. His name is Neil Umfred, and he runs an Elvis site. It's called Elvis-AtouchOfGold.com, and he has done the history of Elvis caricatures. And he discovered that Hirschfeld was the first caricaturist to draw Hirschfeld and that this Collier's no, to draw Elvis what did I say you said he Hirschfeld was the first caricaturist to draw oh, Hirschfeld. No. the first one to draw Elvis was Hirschfeld and so for this for Collier's in 1956 the one we're talking about he has a guitar he looks a very young Elvis yeah yellow star uh no just yellow background yeah just the yellow background and uh, it was for appointment with o'hara right which uh, he did a lot of drawings for right we've mm. talked about the collier's drawings yeah before. about three or three three or four drawings a week um in wow. every uh in every column mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so uh that gets a a start out and it's a it's a it's a fine drawing but he doesn't draw any other rock and roll figure for another six years Wow. And uh, then he draws uh, a rock and roll figure as part of his Famous Feuds series that he did for Show Magazine. And it was the Beatles uh, feuding with uh, the singing nun, Sister Story, mm -hmm. uh, and who, was, who had a single on the pop chart who was, uh, and was battling the Fab Four for dominance uh, in, the, uh, in the top uh, songs. Gotcha. This was eight years later, in 1964, right. when, the, when the Beatles came across the pond 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But also rock and roll is becoming a much bigger part of American culture. So it's not surprising that Hirschfeld is going to start drawing more of it. Right. Right. Uh, because the two years later, he draws the monkeys. <laughs> uh, and again, we can argue whether this is rock and roll. It's a band that right. was literally created for a television show. Um, who became an actual band. Hmm. Uh, and as we've said before, he showed all four monkeys sharing the same haircut. Yeah, it's a great little drawing for TV Guide. For TV Guide. That's what it was done for. So now we have these three different drawings done for three different publications. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is, uh, again, two years later, uh, he does an advertisement for the David Frost Show. And amongst these figures like uh, uh, Moshe Dayan, who was uh, an Israeli general who was very important in the Six-Day War uh, mm-hmm. the previous year, and Adam Clayton Powell, who was a firebrand politician from Harlem, uh, Prince Charles, uh, or Prince Philip, actually. Prince Philip, yeah. Prince, Prince Philip. Charles doesn't come till much later. Right, although he also, I mean, he, was born. he looks a lot like <laughs> Prince Charles. He does, yeah. Uh, and then there was also celebrity figures, um, Rex Harrison, Arthur Godfrey, Muhammad Ali's in there because mm. he was really, he was changing how we look at boxing at that right. time. But amongst all these figures is a long-haired John Lennon. Uh, the difference between John Lennon's scene in this drawing and the one four years previously is dramatic, and mm-hmm. it reflects the change of how much John Lennon and the Beatles had changed in just four years. Uh, the same year, he draws Elvis again. Uh, now, he had, been, he had drawn Elvis uh, two other times uh, for films for United Artists, uh, Kid Gallagher. Kid Galahad and uh, Follow That Dream. Right. Uh, And, of course, these were movies that uh, Elvis made in the 60s that are kind of forgettable. Oh, these these two? Definitely forgettable. Right. (laughs) I mean, most Elvis films are. Uh, And uh, and so by 1968, Elvis was kind of a has-been. Yeah. Well, we forgot to mention that uh, starting in March 1958 to March 1960, Elvis goes away to Germany. He uh, is drafted by the army, and uh, Bye Bye Birdie hits the stage. Sure, which is rock and roll coming to Broadway. Sure, it's sort of the Elvis story. It is. The, it's literally the Elvis. Well, and Elvis and just to place everything, you know, before rock and roll, it's Broadway that is supplying so many popular songs right. to the American the uh, youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in the fifties, you had so many great shows. You had My Fair Lady and Damn Yankees and Wonderful Town and mm-hmm. Music Man and Gypsy and King and I and uh, Most Happy Fella and West. Side Story. I mean, these these are songs that a lot of people still know the uh, right. the songs to, and, and of course are some of the most popular shows of all time. So uh, rock and roll really changed the calculus of what was popular in music. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost uh, um, when rock and roll comes on the scene, it, it displaces uh, Broadway show tunes mm-hmm. as what what uh, young people are singing in America. Mm-hmm. Right. So we left off at Bye Bye Birdie, but in 1968, Hirschfeld is drawing Elvis again for the 68 comeback special. Now, I think this is interesting. So it's been 12 years since Hirschfeld first drew Elvis, and really since Elvis came on the scene, and he has his comeback. Hirschfeld has been on the scene since 1920. 
1968, he's a little bit more than halfway through his career, and he is more pop. He as popular as he was uh, in the 20s. He's and we, as I've said before, he was extremely popular. His his work was seen by millions of people all over the world in movie posters, and of course in the and he was in New York newspapers just about every week in the 1920s. Uh, and yet he was even more popular by 1968, and he was only halfway through his career so uh elvis this brand new performer is come having a comeback and mm-hmm. and, and hirschfeld has never gone away yeah uh but it's a great drawing it is my, it's my favorite elvis drawing oh yeah it's, it's the best one it's the best one <laughs> uh, it really is uh and it captured him at that moment in his career and although hirschfeld wouldn't have you know, he he would have known Elvis probably only from seeing him on television. Mm. Uh, he got it. You know, mm-hmm. he he understood what Elvis was about, and he captures that personality of Elvis. Right, right. Uh, the following year, he does a great drawing, classic drawing of Ringo Starr. Uh, the Beatles were in the process of disintegrating, and Ringo, while he was waiting for the Beatles to figure out what they were doing in the studio or playing music, decides to uh, uh, sign on to a film, The Magic Christian, uh, with Peter Sellers. Mm. And Hirschfeld does a drawing for the New York Times, which has only just started having him do drawings of people in films. Oh, interesting. Uh, now, the work would later be published uh, in the mid-70s, and I think about 1975, mm-hmm. as a limited edition uh, etching. Yes. Um, Hirschfeld liked the drawing enough that it hung on the wall uh, on the staircase leading up to his studio. Right. And it was there for years. Now, this drawing, his hair is the most um, obvious part of the drawing. Can you tell us how he would do that hair? Because it, it looks like a paintbrush. Yes, he so used. You, yeah, he it, used a paintbrush. He dry brushed. It, it. was a dry. Okay. Uh, so uh, in that case, he wouldn't get. For anybody who doesn't know, a dry brush would be you literally have a dry brush that you put into the paint rather than getting it wet and supple and easy to use. Mm-hmm. You. This is something that uh, you put it in. And it gives you a great sort of uh, um, it's it's not a thick coarse um, a rough effect. Yeah, rough. Yes, rough. and it's great for hair. Yeah. And, and Hirschfeld would use it. He uses um, it in the Jane Fonda drawing as well. Sure, I can think of uh, Warren Beatty. Yeah, a yeah. Few years later. I guess anybody with like crazy hair. Well, big and hair. particularly at that time. Yeah, that was you the know, style. It was not <laughs> something that he would use for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. It, just in this sort of. Uh, eight or nine year period Interesting. in the late 60s or early 70s. That's what everybody's hair looked like. Right. Yeah. I think it was an accurate uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, image of, yeah. of Ringo and his hair. Um, and of course, I mean, it's so hard for us to imagine now, but the hair was really important. You know, yeah. men having long hair was a radical act. Right. And uh, that just seems crazy, but it, it was very true. <laughs> now, we've gone on to 1969 without talking about hair. Right. So 1968, of course, uh, Hirschfeld is a mere 75 years old. Wait, 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 wait. 1968, Hirschfeld is 65. Oh, he's 65. I'm sorry. Oh, look at me. I was right about a a date. William, (laughs) one for your sister. Okay, so he's 65 years old when hair hits Broadway. Right. The, what is it called? The American Tribal Love Rock Musical. Right, and he seems to be as far away as one could be from 
uh, capturing a rock musical. The counterculture of 1968. Yeah, and, you know, uh, uh, nudity on stage. Oh, mm-hmm. that's such a new thing. Well, for Hirschfeld, he'd been seeing nudity on stage since, like, Earl Carroll's Vanities mm-hmm. and Burlesque in the 20s. <laughs> when he went to uh, Paris, it was, sure. Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't that big of a deal to him, even if it was shocking other people. Right. Um, and, you know, he captures this, you know, in a drawing that uh, that appeared two Sundays before the show opened on Broadway. Uh, he captured the spirit of the show in a chaotic grouping of uh, dancers and performers and musicians. Um you know, he, 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 what he was looking for was the energy and enthusiasm mm-hmm. uh, of the production. And Which he, that show certainly had. Right. In spades. Right. And so he would seem like an unlikely uh, person to... To get it. A 65-year-old yeah. for a culture that said, don't trust anybody over 30. <laughs> Here's Al Hirschfeld at 65, totally getting it. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying he completely understood it, but... Uh, <laughs> um, But Hirschfeld had a wonderful quote about things like that. He understood that, quote, the tintype of the corseted, buxom, balloon-breasted sex pot of the 1890s is funny and artificial when compared to color photographs of a sleek, nude playgirl of the 1960s dressed only in a blonde wig. To the characterist, the the corset is is no funnier than the wig— both produce distortions of reality capable of inducing laughter or beauty, or both. The universal recognition that our generation is brighter and prettier than our parents' generation is obvious, just as it was when our parents' generation recognized that their generation was brighter and prettier than their parents' generation. So what he's really saying here is he accepted things as they were. He he was not comparing them to the past. He didn't say, oh, hair is no Oklahoma, and I don't want to do it. Uh, he What he was saying is the, 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 the most energetic, interesting musical on Broadway that week was hair. Right. And Oklahoma, there was a, actually a revival of Oklahoma in 1969, and he <laughs> applied the same... Uh, technique to it. He was looking at the show as it was presented, not in comparison with other shows. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Hair is a very important uh, landmark. And I think that was really the last musical to have a, a billboard hit. Yes. In the in the pop charts or the rock charts or whatever you want right. to call it. <laughs> right, exactly. And, yeah. and and that, of course, the, those charts change. The name yes. changes over right, the years. Right. Um, but what we also see, because rock comes to Broadway, mm-hmm. um, there's a sort of commodification of this rebel energy of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, it starts becoming a part of American entertainment, well, the entertainment world. And so naturally, Hirschfeld would start drawing it more. Right. Um, in the early 70s, in 1972, Hirschfeld does a series of drawings for Creative Management Associates, which mm. was a talent agency in Hollywood. And they represented a number of uh, popular music figures, mm-hmm. um, among them uh, uh, the Fifth Dimension, um, who had their Aquarius from Hair. Right, that was a big <laughs> hit for them. Yeah, Cat Stevens, who again is not rock and roll, but would be played on rock and roll stations. 
and then, of course, they also had Tom Jones. Again, not rock and roll, but very popular music. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of captured that energy. Um, and then, of course, they had also figures like Engelbert Humperdinck and Al Hurt. Who, uh, so they had a wide range uh, of people. Hirschfeld would end up doing a series of murals for them that later were published as... Uh, uh, offset lithographs, so CMA, the talent agency, could give to their clients. Mm. Um, and then there's a great drawing, also the same year, where they're announcing some of their new uh, um, clients, and it includes David Bowie and Mick Jagger, uh, Roberta Flack. Uh, and so you can really see if if Hollywood talent agencies are signing rock and roll people, it's not going to be the rebel uh, music for too much longer. In fact, one could mm. argue that it wasn't already. Right. Uh, but it is his only drawing of uh, David Bowie, um, and it is his first drawing of Mick Jagger, yeah. who he would draw a number of times mm-hmm. over the years. Um, throughout the 70s, Hirschfeld was drawing a lot of album covers. You know, uh, if Duke Ellington, Leonard Bernstein, Richard Rogers. He did a series for Arthur Fiedler. Um, he did covers for Stereo Review of other musical figures, uh, Eugene Ormandy and Isaac Stern, Yasha Heifetz. Uh, but what the, the album cover that would be the most iconic from this period and indeed a gateway image for so many people to be exposed to Hirschfeld was the cover he did for the 1977 Aerosmith record, Draw the Line. You know, now the nearly 75-year-old artist uh, finds himself going up to uh, upstate New York uh, to a uh, re-renovated, uh, I think, convent or church that was uh, a studio, recording studio, and Aerosmith is recording this record. Uh, obviously, some creative director said, draw the line, that sounds like a good job for Hirschfeld. <laughs> uh, Hirschfeld had no understanding of, of Aerosmith music. It didn't matter to him. He goes up to them while they're recording this record. They are also at the nadir of their drug use. I mean, it's a, it's really, in, in some ways, a terrible time for Aerosmith. Mm. Uh, but he goes up there, and he's fascinated by, uh, by, the, by the guys in the group. <laughs> and uh, he would later say, um, I don't think I've ever crowded so much hair onto one page before, but it makes for an explosive drawing, like it, it erupting ventricle. And I think it, it captures the lunatic spirit of the group. So Hirschfeld is really, he gets the personalities. Yeah. They may not be on stage uh, in, in a proscenium arch stage. Right, in a, in a legitimate sense. Right. <laughs> but he understands that they're performers. Mm-hmm. And he understands that they have personalities, sort of larger than life uh, personalities. Yeah. And now for this drawing too, does he use the dry brush technique? For their hair. Oh, one of the, uh, yeah, the figures. Yeah. Oh, sure. Was it Steven Tyler? Uh, we have to look at the drawing. <laughs> we'll edit this out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Steve- it's uh, Well, Steven Tyler, Joe Perry is really oh, okay. is the figure who gets the real dry brush t- uh, techniques. Um, but for so many people, you know, for uh, the previous generation, the gateway drawing to Hirschfeld's are the My Fair Lady poster. Right. Uh, or the Hello Dolly drawing. Mm-hmm. But for young people in the 70s who were just, who who might not be in New York, right. to get this album cover with, you know, 
it was interest it, it was so uh, interesting to people that Aerosmith still uses still mm-hmm. uses it as sort of the image of the group. If you go to their website and you want to get a, you can get an Aerosmith T-shirt with it or oh, really? uh, uh, necklaces. Uh, it's so it it so captured the group that it almost broke up the band. Right. Uh, when Hirschfeld had finished the drawing, uh, you know, for him it was another drawing, and uh, he went on to the next assignment. He gets a call from the art director at Columbia Records, and he says, "Listen, Al, can you do?" another drawing uh, of Aerosmith, just like the last one. Now, for Hirschfeld, that was a tough thing. He didn't want to copy himself. Uh, But um, why is he being asked this? Because there are two members of the band who want the drawing, and they can't decide who uh, is going to get it. And it leads to an argument that threatens to break up the group. And Hirschfeld uh, 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 heeds the pleas of this art director, <laughs> and he does make a, a virtually duplicate copy mm-hmm. of the drawing so that the uh, the world stays on an even keel, that Aerosmith stays together, and of course they would go on to probably their biggest fame and, yeah. you know, after this. For better, for worse, Aerosmith, or right. Al Hirschfeld kept Aerosmith together. Yeah, well, you have Al Hirschfeld <laughs> to thank for that. But you know, uh, you know, he saw that the rock and roll shows um, that were were actually getting bigger than Broadway. Right. You know, uh, as, as he would write um, in 1999, he writes, "Those rolling light and sound shows were like out of town tryouts every night, and the makeup was bigger, the stage sets were bigger because rock groups could afford it. Broadway was being outbid." Mm. And it, it is true. There is nothing like the rock and roll show uh, of the 70s in in popular culture. Mm. You know, it does replace um, Broadway to some extent because they're going out and they're putting on these huge performances every night in arenas all across the country. Right, and in towns who don't get a lot of entertainment. Right. Also, yeah. Right. Also, I have to point out, since we're in 1977, this is the year the true music died, Elvis Presley. So we lose <laughs> Elvis in the middle here. Very sad. And somehow the world goes on. <laughs> does it, though? But uh, he does a drawing in the summer of 1977, um, and the title of it is uh, Sentiment Stages a, a, a Comeback. Um, and it talks about how pop music is sort of, there's a nostalgia involved, and the drawing, mm-hmm. as well as in, uh, including Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra, includes Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Eldon John, Barry Manilow, and you would hardly think that all those figures would be together, but, right. you know, rock and roll now has been around for 20 plus years, mm-hmm. and there's also, all of a sudden, this nostalgia for what used to be. Right. You know, yeah. in 1977, they were thinking about 1967 mm-hmm. or 1957. Mm-hmm. Also, not expected to be found in that drawing, Dolly Parton. Dolly. <laughs> Love her. Not rock and roll at all, but we have to include her. Yes. <laughs> can't leave her out. Oh, no, can't leave her out. <laughs> Diana Ross is also yes, in that drawing, yes. and he would do several really, really great drawings really of Diana nice, Ross. Really nice, yeah. Um, but also in the sign that how far rock and roll has come in terms of acceptance uh, by the establishment is at the end of the year, he does sort of the world of culture in 1977. The previous year, when they did the cultural moments of 1976, uh, along with Alexander Calder and I.M. Pei and uh, Barishnikov, they included Stevie Wonder, who had released uh, Songs in the Key of Life that year. 
1977 in a drawing that includes the Pompidou Center, Paul Cezanne, Palabalus Dance Company, Chewbacca from Star Wars, (laughs) only drawing of any Star Wars figure uh, in in Star Wars costume. We get asked about Star Wars a lot. A lot. Does he ever ever draw Star Wars? No, we have a lot of Star Trek drawings. Just Chewbacca. Oh. But in this drawing, that also includes uh, Irene Wirth, who was in the Cherry Orchard that year, uh, is Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac, who had released Rumors that year, which was a huge album huge it just was you could not escape it in Mm. 1977 it was played on the radio all the time (laughs) so uh but it but it tells you that the new york times thought it was important enough to include it with the major cultural events of the year right and so uh rock now is part of the entertainment world uh and uh People start uh, uh, showing up in drawings much more. In his new season of 83-84, he's got Paul McCartney. Uh, I forget who else is in that drawing. Um, Linda Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt. You know, along with Philip Glass and Leonard Bernstein and Wynton Marsalis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he draws probably the only person who is almost as ageless as Hirschfeld, uh, at least in the rock and roll world, Dick Clark. Um, he draws, uh, Dick Clark commissions a drawing and it captures the sort of youthful energy that Dick Clark had, had spent years, mm. uh, demonstrating on American Bandstand. Right. And, and then of course, later on in his New Year's Eve broadcast. So in 1987, he gets an opportunity to sort of catch up on a lot of, uh, uh, popular music, rock and roll figures that he hadn't drawn. Mm. Uh, when Playboy asks him to do a drawing of the winners of their music poll. And included in this are uh, Bono from U2, uh, Phil Collins, Sting. I love Phil Collins. (laughs) No comment. Uh, Whitney Houston, uh, Prince. Again, those figures aren't rock and roll, but... Um, they're the popular music of the time, and Hirschfeld uh, does a really a terrific drawing. The, the drawing of Whitney yeah. is is excellent. And I think by this time, you know, you just said these people aren't rock and roll. I think by this time, rock and roll, as as it's clearly defined from the fifties, is no longer right. And so now it's kind of rock slash pop. You know, all yeah, you kind have of, hard rock. You have all kinds yeah, of punk rock. Adult you have, easy listening yeah. rock. <laughs> Yeah, punk rock, there's all kinds. So I think the rock and roll by this point is, you know, that's grandma's music. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least your parents. Yes, well, yes. Your parents. Uh, this, uh, in 1986, actually, ASCAP uh, asked Hirschfeld to do a drawing of the seven ladies of ASCAP, which, oh, of yeah. course, includes Betty Comden and Carol King, but also includes Madonna, yep. who is becoming fast becoming her songs are becoming mm. a sort of staple of ASCAP. Yeah. Um, the drawing also includes Valerie Simpson and Reba McIntyre. Reba. Yeah. Love her. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, um, but and he draws the Pointer Sisters the following year for mm. Cocad. Um, you know mm. Michael Jackson, uh, David Byrne starts showing up in new season drawings. Um, and then in 1990, what happens is Hirschfeld's print publishers realize that musical figures are as popular as film, theater, and TV figures right. for limited edition prints. 
uh, and he does uh, a drawing of the Beatles, sort of mm-hmm. 1964 era uh, Beatles for an edition of lithographs. Mm-hmm. And that starts a whole uh, series of them. Um, there are... Um, there's one of Madonna. There is one of Speaking Madonna. Of Madonna. Uh, there, there's one of... Um, Elvis. Elvis, uh, eventually the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. um, and then other drawings that he did for the Times. So uh, Bruce Springsteen's on Broadway right now. Uh, we, you know, we the day that the tickets were announced uh, for uh, on sale for mm-hmm. uh, his show. Um, it happened to also be the same day in 1992 that Hirschfeld's drawing of Springsteen appeared in the New York Times. And we tweeted something about it, and Springsteen retweeted it. Yeah. I don't like Bruce Springsteen, but it was very exciting. Well, we're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> now, everybody knows I don't like Bruce Springsteen. Uh, also, yesterday was National Bosses Day. I didn't get David anything because it came, on, came up on me so quickly I forgot. But or some, maybe you thought it was a Springsteen day. Well, one of my the, friends on Facebook posted it. They said, Happy Bosses Day. And they posted a picture of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty clever. Uh, <laughs> okay. So tell us about... They've, well, started so, and, doing, and they've started doing all these prints. They started doing all these prints. Probably the most uh, well-known of these prints is, again, an unlikely one. In 1995, in August 1995, uh, Jerry Garcia passes away. You know the real date, David. Just give us the whole date. August 9th. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> the we, time in between, right? The days between oh, are the, August oh, 1st. Oh, so close. Uh, and August 9th, his birthday is August 1st. His death was August 9th. And now yeah. this whole subculture has sprung up about the days between, which right. is also the name See, of I, one of his I later songs. I have learned something these past four years. A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, uh, I get this call from one of his print publishers saying they knew I was a deadhead, and they said, "Oh, we should do uh, uh, we should have Hirschfeld draw the Grateful Dead," mm. and I said, "You should have Hirschfeld draw Jerry Garcia, um, and if that sells well, then you do one of the Grateful mm. Dead." But everyone now is thinking about Jerry Garcia. So I was away, and they said, "When you come back, will you take up some photos to Hirschfeld and ask him to do a drawing?" So I did. And I had the very surreal experience of explaining to Al Hirschfeld who Jerry Garcia was and sort of what he meant to people and what he was like on stage and and whatnot. Did he get it? Well, if a drawing is any indication, Mm -hmm. if he got it, I would say yes. Mm. He did a really terrific drawing of Garcia. It is a very good drawing, actually. And it was soon published as a uh, limited edition lithograph, and it became the fastest-selling Hirschfeld lithograph of all time. Wow. How fast did it sell out? Uh, days. I don't even wow. think it, it was a week. It wow. was literally days. Um, and those those prints now go for thousands and thousands of mm-hmm. dollars. Uh, well, of course, with the success of that, the publisher wanted to do uh, a Grateful Dead one. And so then I took up photographs of every member of the Grateful Dead from the beginning to the end. Mm. Uh, And I didn't tell him about each one, but I gave him definitive, what I thought were pretty good photos of each one. Mm. Uh, And um, I told him a little bit about them and, you know, what instrument they played and whatnot. And he produced 
a truly terrific drawing of the entire Grateful Dead. In fact, the only image that shows all the different members of the Grateful Dead over their 30-year mm. history. And uh, you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, the bass player of the Grateful Dead, when he wrote his memoir... What's his name? Phil Lesh. Okay, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. Uh, when he wanted to, when he, he wrote his memoir, uh, he asked for the Hirschfeld drawing to be the end papers on the book. Mm-hmm. He actually has a nightclub uh, restaurant in uh, Northern California now called Terrapin Crossroads. And when you walk in, one of the first things you see is a is the Hirschfeld print of the Grateful Dead. Uh, so it was it was uh, a, a wonderful thing that uh, Hirschfeld did for the Grateful Dead, and alas, what the Grateful Dead did for Hirschfeld. Yeah. I always thought that I should have brought Jerry and uh, Al Hirschfeld together. <laughs> they they would have enjoyed each other's company. Uh, I knew some people in the dead at that time. Uh, of course, I was having regular lunches at Al Hirschfeld's home. Right. And I should have pushed that because Hirschfeld had you know, helped Django Reinhardt get his first recording date. And so that would have been uh, something they could have talked about. Mm. But they both, in some funny way, approached their work the same way. They were very committed to it. Mm -hmm. They didn't really care about sort of the popular fashions. They were on their own self-directed path. Mm. And they had an audience that loved them, you know, that could, they loved the unpredictable things they would do within their work. Mm. And uh, that didn't end for Jerry Garcia even after his death. And and it's the same thing for Hirschfeld. You know, his audience still loves it and still finds even drawings that they've seen before seem to be uh, interesting to them. They find new things to discover about them. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like they would both approach their art, whether it's a drawing or a night of a show, as what's in front of them. Yes. As not comparing it to yesterday's or 10 years ago or... Right. Yeah. Every... uh, When Hirschfeld looked at a... started a new drawing, it did not care how many awards he had won or how much people loved him or whatnot. It was going to be a a situation that he had to create and solve Mm -hmm. for himself. And I think that was very much the same way with Jerry Garcia. Mm. Um, He went on every night playing for keeps. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they both did. They, they, They played hard. You know, right. that's really what it was. And uh, they both, it was their jobs, but I don't think either one of them saw it as their jobs. Mm. So, uh, but in any event, besides the Grateful Dead, he also drew, um, in 1997, he drew Bob Dylan for the New York Times. And that was later published as a print. Uh, uh, when he drew Mick Jagger for for Rolling Stone. Yeah, I was going to bring up Mick Jagger because we haven't circled back around to him. Right. Well, he, he had been drawing Mick Jagger since 72, mm-hmm. but and he did a wonderful drawing of Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Yes. But the drawing that he did for Rolling Stone is really lyrical. It's so good. It's... You don't ha- even have to know who Mick exactly. Jagger is. Exactly. No. It is. It is interesting to look at, no matter what. Yes. And uh, and that was published as a print. Uh, he would draw Eric Clapton, mm. uh, which was supposed to be published as a print, um, but Hirschfeld passed away, and it was published posthumously. Mm. Uh, he did a great drawing of Neil Young for an edition of Prince, yeah. uh, surrounded by all the different instruments that he plays, um, and that's a very popular print. Um, he drew, and again, we had this question beforehand, Billy Joel, uh, uh, when Moving Out was on Broadway, Mm -hmm. which was sort of this dance piece that was inspired by his music, uh, Hirschfeld was commissioned to do a drawing of 
Billy Joel and Twyla Tharp, who had choreographed the show. Mm. Uh, he had done. He would later do a drawing of Billy Joel and the Gershwins. Right. Um, but his first drawing of Billy Joel was in 1985 for People magazine uh, <laughs> because he was gossip fodder because of his marriage to Christy Brinkley, oh. uh, who was a model. Oh. Uh, he drew many other uh, music figures like Clive Davis, uh, Phil Ramone. Um, he did a drawing of Yoko Ono for the Times. Uh, the first drawing he did it looks like she's wearing a kabuki mask and she's dressed all in black. And the Times asked for another drawing, something that wasn't as dramatic. Mm. And so he did a, a much more uh, demure drawing of Yoko just sitting uh, there with her sunglasses on. Um, the Times would eventually ask for drawings of Madonna, uh, yep. Bruce Springsteen. There's a great drawing of Prince. Uh, yeah, they would ask for the Beatles. Cher. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, Cher. And, of course, one of the great uh, uh, TV guide covers so good that Hirschfeld kept uh, a oh, reproduction yeah. of it behind his drawing board for sunny years. Sunny and chair. Easy for you to say. Yeah, the Sunny and Cher TV Guide cover. That is a very classic TV Guide cover. It's a good one. He would do another uh, Rolling Stone uh, image of Madonna, uh, mm-hmm. a gouache of mm-hmm. Madonna. And then there's also, we forgot to talk about the individual drawings he would do of the Beatles. Right. This is all falls in, uh, as part of what the print publishers thought would be interesting right. for their audience. And so he did individual drawings of uh, all the different all the Beatles. Beatles yeah. um, there's individual portraits of John Lennon, two different ones. Yep. Uh, same with, I think, McCartney. Um, there's a great one of the Beatles crossing Abbey Road. Yeah, that's a nice that's one. A, that's really a terrific yeah. one. Um, now, he did draw Dylan for the Times uh, in... 1998, uh, Time magazine was thinking about the end of the century. They, you know, 2000, you know, there was this whole sense around that time of sort of summing up the 20th century. Mm -hmm. And they did special issues devoted to business in the 20th century, politics in the 20th Mm -hmm. century, all these type of things. And of course, Entertainment in the 20th century was one of their special issues. And, of course, if you're going to talk about who can capture entertainment in the 20th century better than anybody else, uh, of course, we're biased. But I think the art director (laughs) knew right away who to call, and that was Al Hirschfeld. Mm -hmm. So they gave Hirschfeld a list of names. And that he could choose from. That he could choose from. And I didn't know this until we talked about it a few weeks ago. Yes. And they didn't tell him what to do because I think they fully understood that telling Hirschfeld what to do was not the way to get the best drawing. (laughs) The best drawing is you let Hirschfeld run with it. Mm -hmm. So he took this list of names and he put together a wonderful drawing of Lucille Ball and Steven Spielberg and Picasso, uh, Louis Armstrong and Charlie Chaplin. Mm -hmm. Uh, When when Time Magazine got the image... As to sum up the artists of the 20th century. Right, right. This would give you a range of the artists of the 20th century. All good choices. All excellent choices time magazine got a little concerned they thought his drawing of louis armstrong could be seen as a caricature which pejorative. was yeah, yeah well, it, it, right in the pejorative sense yeah. i mean they had hired a caricaturist i mean commonly known as a caricaturist to do a drawing right. and uh, when he did exactly what a caricature should do they were scared that it might offend african-americans 
Now, Hirschfeld had been drawing Louis Armstrong since at least 1939. Yeah. Uh, no one had ever complained. Uh, Louis Armstrong himself liked it. Mm. Uh, but time got very... Uptight. Uptight. Yeah. And they asked him if he would do it again and maybe pick somebody else. So when he picked somebody else, he picked Bob Dylan, which I think was a very perceptive choice mm. uh, because Dylan's impact on popular music in the 20th century, I don't think can be underestimated. Uh, you may not like his voice. You may not even like some of his songs, but certainly his impact on certainly rock and roll, but popular sure. music in general. Because he was like the first to go electric. Was he not? Well, no, he or wasn't the... the first to go electric, uh. but he was the first one to really loosen the constrictions. You know, mm. there are no I love you, baby, baby songs <laughs> in in Dylan, mm. although I'm sure some of you Dylanologists will write in and say, yes, there is this Bob Dylan Don't song. worry, David knows about it. <laughs> uh, right, I have that record uh, or that tape. Uh, but, uh, he, you know, he really, he took rock and roll to the next level. Mm. He, he started making the lyrics something uh, more akin to poetry. Mm. And it's it's not a surprise to me why he recently won the Nobel Prize for Literature mm -hmm. because his lyrics have literally changed the way we, we look at uh, uh, so much in popular culture. Hmm. Um, he would continue drawing um, pop oh, music yeah. figures. Well, we said we. I, I did say that I would give a shout out to Celine, Celine Dion. Not rock and roll. Not rock and roll, but it is a very nice drawing. And if we're talking about you know popular music, um, and then towards the end here, he does Alicia Keys, and of course, the legendary Miss Britney Spears, <laughs> who I'm also a big fan of. If you can't tell, I will say, mm, I don't think he got Britney Spears. And Which I think, is fine. <laughs> I don't think a 98-year-old man? Yeah, a uh, 99-year-old man. Maybe he's I, not going to get Britney Spears. I, I, I want to just... Uh, Hirschfeld doesn't need me defending him, but uh, <laughs> I think it had much more to do with the material that he had to work with. Oh, uh, interesting. He interesting. didn't know from Britney Spears. There mm -hmm. was no way he would really know too much about Britney. Um, and if he didn't get great photos and mm -hmm. no one explained to him or gave him a videotape... What was uh, what she was about. Yeah, then he then it's a it's sort of... A, it's just another blonde girl. Right. Yeah, it's, it's just a, another blonde it, there's girl no personality with a belly there. shirt on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think the same thing with Alicia Keys, mm. which I think is a better drawing, but I don't think it's a great drawing. Mm. I don't think it has anything to, with him being 99 and not being up to the no, task. No, I don't think so either. Uh, because there are amazing drawings done after this still. Before, after. Right, I mean, right. He just, it's he's not about good that. all the way to the end. Uh, Interesting. But that's good to know that, I mean, you have the knowledge of what he used when he worked and what he needed to understand a character, whether it's a performer on Broadway or a performer on the VMAs or <laughs> the VMAs. Right. Um, but you know, you know what he used and you can kind of tell, you know what, he probably didn't get good pictures of Britney Spears or no one sat down and said, Hey, this is what she's about. You know, this is what you should be working for. You know, I remember in the early nineties, he was uh, commissioned to do a drawing of Sean Connery for AFI and American Film Institute. And, uh, they sent up a bunch of photos of Sean Connery's career, mm. and uh, Hirschfeld called uh, and said, I can't do it. Um, I, I'm not going to do this drawing. And they said, why not? They said, well, you've sent me 20 pictures, and they look like 20 different guys. Mm. Because Sean Connery, uh, you know, over the years right. looked very different. Mm. 
And uh, I happened to be up there, and uh, I was asked, could you talk to him? Mm. And I started looking through the photos, sort of taking out the ones that I didn't think he looked like. Mm. You know, the ones when he was at the very beginning of his career. They weren't looking for that. They were looking to honor Sean Connery as he looked today. As everybody knows him today. Right. Right. And so uh, once we found the good photos and we talked about it, uh, Hirschfeld sat down and did a great drawing of Sean Connery. Uh, So I I didn't have any special powers. I wasn't the Hirschfeld Whisperer or anything like that. Um, But I had an understanding of what he was looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't alone in that. But Kind uh, of a bridge, you know, of what he was missing. Right. You know, in 1985, Viacom asked him to do a a series of drawings to promote uh, their uh, TV shows and syndication. These were classic TV shows. And... Hirschfeld took the assignment, but was a little bit concerned that, you know, he would only have photos to work with. And so they brought up a VCR. Hirschfeld had had a VCR. They brought it. He hadn't had one? No, he didn't have one. Because sitting around watching TV, taping shows. I can't imagine him. I mean, I never met him, but I can't imagine him sitting around watching TV shows. No, he was not that kind of person. He He didn't rush home after an opening to say, oh, that was on TV tonight. Let me watch the tape. Maybe what's my line? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, but they gave him a VCR and a TV that he put up in the studio. And for him, it was a great opportunity. He felt like they were models. Mm-hmm. in the studio mm. uh, because he could freeze frame it you know he could right. pause it and look at people and really get a sense of who they were mm-hmm. uh, and I think if he had had a video of a Britney performance mm. or an mm-hmm. Alicia Keys performance uh, he might have had a, gotten yeah. better drawings mm. interesting uh, so he w- he was his, you know he liked to work from life whenever possible and right. uh, he did whenever possible right. uh, but as time went on and even as he got older and one would naturally think, oh, well, you know, he can't make it out as much. He was still completely active up yeah. until the end. Well, I think also while we're talking about this, I think now's a good time as any. Um, you had mentioned before, as the years progressed, press agents got more and more protective of the shows before they would open. Sure. And so while he used to be able to go to, you know, previews. He was well, out of town a tryouts. Of, a lot of times, he was not allowed to, and so he did have to work more from photos. Yeah, for the Broadway work, I mean, it really yeah. did change a great deal. You know, when he went to out of town tryouts, one of the great things about out of town tryouts was you could work away from the sort of spotlight of Broadway, mm-hmm. and so that's why shows change so much in out of town tryouts. Um, there wasn't this expectation that the show was done. Right. When shows started to open in New York with just previews, they got more producers got more apprehensive about anybody, Mm -hmm. including someone as enthusiastic as Al Hirschfeld about the theater to come in and see the shows. Mm -hmm. And so he was sometimes given headshots and costume sketches, you know, uh, uh, for shows. And I think it does to me. I look at some of the uh, Broadway work and I can tell when he went to the show or when he had mm-hmm. when he was working from photographs. just like you can tell 
where maybe he didn't he wasn't giving good photos of these entertainers. Sure. As well. Same, sure. Same and thing. and again yeah. I think a lot of people who know Hirschfeld's work could probably pick it out as right, well. Right, right, right. So if you want to see uh of course we'll have links in the show notes, but if you want to you can go right now uh without any following any link if you go to our website alhirschfeldfoundation.org and you go to the advanced search when under uh type if you put in music you'll see music music opera, music rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And if you put in music or rock and roll, you're going to see five pages of drawings, yeah. uh, 79 different images. And you should also just type things into the search bar because you never know. <laughs> right. And, uh, and what's like come Celine Dion is not on this list. Right. Uh, right. Uh, but she should be sort of, I mean, it's hard to say. Is it rock and roll? Is it popular right. music? That's why, you know, we th- we've we talked about this several times in this episode. It started out as a rock and roll. Yes, Elvis is rock and roll. The Beatles, rock and roll. And then it, the, it kind of drifts off. And so, right. we, and we did too, which is we just went where the story went. And there's right. people in here that know they're not rock and roll, but, <laughs> but we want to talk about them. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and then you can... Uh, we tweet something every day. Right. Uh, if you were, as I said, uh, 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 a lot of people follow us. Springsteen follows us. Uh, did he follow us after yes, that? Yes, he oh, did. That. Yeah, Look so he that. started to follow us after that. <laughs> um, and we wish him, you know, break a leg uh, on Broadway. I hope it's a good long run. Yeah. Um, uh, but we tweet something every day um, mm-hmm. at Al Hirschfeld. You can find us on Facebook. Yep, and uh, inst- oh, I'm sorry, on Facebook, it's the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. Um, and we have an Instagram, too. I've been My resolution for this month has been to post more on it, and I have been. And people just go crazy for it. Yeah. That's where we get the most. So um, that's good, too. It's more of an art crowd on the right. Instagram. It's a younger art crowd, so that's nice to see people still responding to it. Um, and if you have suggestions for episodes or you want to hear us talk more about something um that maybe we just touched on and we didn't think was important, but you want to hear it, we would love to know because we want to bring you guys uh, things that you're interested in and what you want to hear. Sure. So write to us at info at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. You can also uh, use that address to send us your email. Uh, we send down an irregular newsletter yep. with the latest things that are going on with Hirschfeld, um, and that gives you a chance to find out about things sometimes before everybody else. Yep. Um, and then the podcast is at alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash podcasts. S is for Springsteen. Ooh, Ooh, that was good. I didn't yeah. think I was going to get it this week. Um, and then uh, rate and review on iTunes. Subscribe. I love checking all the reviews and seeing who's listening and what you guys think. And and it's a great way for other people to yeah, find out about the show. It helps other people find it. So tell your friends. And rock on. (laughs) That was so corny. Yes. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, We will see you when we do. Bye.